stretch out and get ready for roller skating. Some of us need more time than others to do that. Let's go all the way back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then you go to Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse five, verses 5 and 6. It says, So Moses, by the way, the living man was not Moses, but this is a different story. It says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. There in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day, no one knows the exact place. And then John 8, it says, verse 1, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the entire crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down and wrote again in the dust, and when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. This morning, this is the title, When God Plays in the Dirt. When God Plays in the Dirt. Lord, thank you so much for our, our praise teams and the people who work so hard to contribute, Lord, to what has already taken place this morning, what we feel, what has paved the way, Lord, for this word to go forth from you so that our hearts and minds can be receptive, Lord. We've already zeroed in and focused in on you throughout this time of worship. But, Lord, I pray, continue, if there's anyone watching online or here in person who has not yet opened their heart and mind to your word. Church, let's just raise our voices right now to God. Whoever has not opened up their, their heart and their mind yet, Lord, I pray that there would be an open heart and mind in every place. In every person watching online or here in person, Lord, that, that we would be able, we do not want your word to go forward and somehow we miss it because we were thinking about something else or distracted by the cares of this life. Help us to zero in, Lord God, mentally in, in focus on what it is that you are about to give us and say to us and speak to us today so that, God, we can be the people you want us to be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Anyone here? Ever have children play in the dirt or the mud? If you haven't, my goodness, take them outside and find something for them. Come on now. I'll remember times where my kids, you know, I'm a little bit, it's weird. In some ways, my wife's more relaxed. In some ways, I'm more relaxed. 
my wife will let the kids just play, cover themselves head to toe in the mud. And I'm like, all right, well, as long as I don't have to be a part of the cleanup process, works for me. But my kids, all of them, if you, if, if, if you said there's a puddle of mud, go ahead and go play with it, they would all go play. Well, Kiera's getting older. She used to. We'll see. But Here we have three separate stories at three separate points in the Bible regarding three separate individuals. One is the story that kicks off humanity at the beginning of time. One is the story of the mighty deliverer Moses who leads God's people out of Egyptian bondage and mighty victory. And one is an adulterous woman who is supposed to die. But even though all these accounts seem completely different, there is a couple of similarities that run between each of them. Number one, they both involve God. Thank you, Lord. Number two, they both, in, or they all three, I should say, involve dirt. For us, dirt is just a nuisance. It's just an aggravation of life. We get our cars washed, and what happens? It rains, and it gets dirty. There's no doubt. I remember one time I got my car washed over there. I went ahead and splurged on the works, which is like an arm and a leg. You need a part-time job, a second part-time job to pay for that thing. And I drive over here, and the people across the street were doing remodeling and revamping their house. And so by the time I came out after my work day, my truck was covered in dust. And I just tried to be like Brother Jim and say, hallelujah. We mop our floors, right? And then the kids come running in, and they don't think to go, oh, hey, Mom, Dad, you guys might wipe the floor. I just I want to be considerate to you guys. I know you've been working hard on this. Let me take my shoes off. Let me wipe my shoes on the mat here because I don't want to get your floor dirty. Does anyone have a child like that? No, I don't think so. We get dressed for church, and our kids run up, and bless their soul. They're, 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 they, they love us, and they just want to touch us and hug us and and, and, but they forgot that they had chocolate milk on their mouth and powdered sugar from donuts on their hand and peanut butter in their fingernails. And, and they wrap their arms around you and you just, wow, thank you so much for getting my clothes all dirty. How about spiritually? We repent of our sins and our sins are completely washed away. We will never be cleaner than that moment when our, when our, 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 our noses come touch the top of that water. But life proceeds from that moment of baptism and what happens? We get dirty again. Dust and dirt have always been a, a part of life, but they don't they don't seem extremely profitable to anyone. In Bible times, foot washing was a big thing because those, the roads were, were dusty and they were dirty. And so the people would be traveling from one place to the next. And, and then they would have someone clean your feet as you come into their house. It was an act of service. It was an act of humility, but also to one of caring for your guests as they came into your home. Dirt was just an annoying part of life. But then we see God. Step on the scene, and just as only God can do, it's almost like he's just going to show off in front of the angels and say, hey, see that worthless dirt? Guys, watch this. Watch what I can do with a mound of dirt. Just sit tight. Everybody, here, watch this. Watch, watch what I can do with a mound of dirt. And in Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God forms man from the dust of the ground. 
and he breathes into dust. And all of a sudden, we're living and breathing, and we are who we are. But then he shows off a little more, because he's not done there. So he says in verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. There was dust a little bit ago. Now it's a breathing human being, a man. And then he has the man go into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took the man's ribs and took one of the man's ribs and, and closed it back up. And then the Lord God made woman from a rib and he brought her to the man. The Bible says on the third day, God created the land and the seed. My guess is, based on the order of creation, on the third day when he creates the land and the seed, that's probably when he creates dust and dirt. So, God performs a miracle and speaks the whole world into existence. There was nothing there. It was just null, void, emptiness. He speaks an entire world into existence, and then he follows up that miracle by grabbing just a piece of that miracle. Here's the world. Here's the dust. Now I'm going to grab a piece from that piece, and I'm going to create a human being. But now I'm not just going to have the earth and then the dust and then the man from the dust, but now from the part of the man, watch what I do now. We think sometimes that we need to bring God like this, this fully functional, fully developed person. We, we have to come to him. If we're ever going to do anything from God, we have to be fully developed. You have to know the Bible inside and out. And you have to, you have, to have prayed for 16 hours a day in order to be used and mightily anointed. And God says, hold it. Do you not know the story? I literally spoke the world into existence. A part of that existence, I, 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 I breathed into dust and made a man, and then I pulled a piece of the man, and I made a woman. All I need to do great things is just a small piece of your life. That's the God that we serve. He specializes in pieces, and so today I sit and I go, if God can breathe life into dust... What do you think that God could do with your life right now today? If God can breathe life into nothingness, something that is just mild aggravation and annoyance in life, if he can do that with dust and dirt, what could God possibly do with a living, breathing human woman or man that comes to him and says, I want to be used, I want to dedicate my life to you, and I want to be in this thing wholeheartedly. What could God do with you if that was your attitude today? But that wasn't the only time that God played in the dirt. God did some incredible things to call a deliverer for his people when they had been slaves to the Egyptians for 430 years at a time where babies were being killed. God spared the life of a man, of a baby named Moses. And then he ensured that Moses would receive the greatest education at that world at that time. He was raised in the home of Pharaoh's own daughter. He was preparing Moses to learn how to write what would become the first part of the Bible that has withstood the test of time, and we still read it today. He was showing Moses how to learn leadership principles in Egypt and guide an entire nation, both financially and legally. 
And when it came time, Moses was the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt and toward their land of promise. Moses, he, he had a, an amazing relationship with God. God first called him into ministry from a bush that was on fire but wasn't being burned, and he spoke to him through a bush. Could you imagine that? You know, I just wrote a book. I think I'm called. What do I do now? Like, it would be nice if I could have just said, whatever he says in the burning bush, follow it. That would have been a pretty short book. But he doesn't always do that for all of us. But for Moses, he did that. God gives Moses then his own little magic show. You know, like, put your hand in your bosom. Oh, it's leprosy. Put it back in. Oh, it's gone. Take your staff. They're like, oh, my goodness, it's a snake. Pick it up. Oh, now it's a rod again. Like, imagine this. I think you could confidently leave and go, yeah, I guess I am called. And so then he walks into Egypt, and Moses, God, God uses Moses to send ten plagues upon the Egyptians. Could you imagine walking in? For me, sometimes I'm preaching, and I'm just looking like, all right, nobody's sleeping? Cool. I'm doing my job today. Yes. You know? Imagine Moses. I'm like, all right, everybody listen, or else the water at your house is going to turn to blood. Everyone listen, or else you're going to wake up with frogs in your bed tomorrow. Like, I guarantee you, if I could do that next Sunday, you'd be listening way more intently than you are right now. Like, hey, dude, don't ever do that frog thing again. I'm, I'm with you. I'm sitting on the front. You know, everybody everybody be fighting for the front row. They'd be wanting to sit right here. They, we'd, have, we'd have people sitting with their legs crossed all across the altar. I'd feel like the, the, the rabbi. Moses is pretty cool. He just walks into Egypt. He's like, here's what God said. Here's what, and, and God just does all this stuff. But then Israel leaves Egypt, and the Egyptians, they change their mind, and they chase them down at the Red Sea. But no problem for God. He doesn't mind showing off to the angels, to his people. He just says, watch this. Red Sea, why is this such a big deal? Why is everybody stressing? Did they forget that I'm the one that created that body of water? Our perspective, you know when we get stressed out, is when we forget momentarily who God is. Does anyone have an issue or a problem in their life right now? Absolutely. For sure. They had a problem too. Yeah, Egyptian army's here, Red Sea's here, we got a problem. But... When we stress about our problems is when we get to the problem and we forget who God is. I mean, really, do I have to stress when I look and I say, well, he just delivered us from them and he created this. So I don't need to stress. I'm just going to put my hands in my pocket and say, man, I can't wait to see what he's got planned. Imagine if we all could walk through our lives with our hands in our pockets going, I, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with this situation. But we don't do that, do we? Oh, man, I don't know where the money's going to come. I don't know how this is going to work out. What kind of counselor I should see? What's the doctor? Who's the best doctor in this area? Uh, I, we, we, we stress. When God's like, you have a heart problem? I created your heart. Oh, there's a, there's a financial issue? I, did you, I, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Forget this. Yeah, but there's so much sin in my life. And, and I took on flesh just so that I could, I could pay that price. Why are you still carrying that? That's the God we serve. And so 
God, he, 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 just, he just parts that Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites. And oh yeah, and that muddy mess that chariots, wheels would have never got through. He not only parted the Red Sea, but he went ahead and made dirt. And he made dry ground under the Red Sea. Because he can do that. And when Moses gets into the wilderness, God calls him up a mountain. And he begins to speak to Moses face to face. To the point where Moses says, I want to see your face. God says, nobody can see my face and live. And and Moses just keeps pressing. He keeps pressing. How often do we not get deeper in God because we just ask and stop instead of pressing on? And God says, fine, Moses, I'm going to put you on the the cliff of the rock. I'm going to put you on the side of the mountain. And I'm going to pass by and let you see my hinder parts as I pass by. And Moses, God speaks to Moses and he says, I'm going to give you the law. And I'm going to write it on stones with my own hand. And I would argue that Moses saw and experienced more things in the Bible than any other human who ever lived. Think about it. Who compares to Moses in his calling, a little magic show, the plagues of Egypt, talking to God face to face, getting the law? That's a pretty impressive guy. But there's more. The Bible says about his death. It wasn't just in his life. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. And verse 6 says, Who buried him? Who buried him? The Lord buried... uh, Excuse me? Would the pallbearers come forth? No need. I don't need a pallbearer. I don't need a headstone. I don't need a burial plot. Nobody needs to dig a hole in the ground, carve out a rock for a tomb. God says, y'all just back up. I've gotten Moses this far. I'm going to go ahead and dig out the spot for my guy Moses. God buried Moses. That's pretty awesome. I I put that on my headstone when I die, like he was buried here by God. That's pretty amazing. I don't really read that about too many people. This this guy lived an amazing life. But then there's this last passage that we read. And Jesus had gotten back to the Mount of Olives area, and he's getting ready to teach, just like other rabbis would do. And this rabbi was different, though. The religious leaders, they were always trying to catch him and trick him or trip him up. And so they bring him a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Again, I don't want to go into too many specifics, but how do you catch a woman, random woman in the, in the town in the very act of adultery? It's, it stinks like a setup to me. But I would argue that they were not, they literally didn't even care about this woman. They didn't care about setting up this woman. They were trying to set up Jesus. The woman was just the pawn in the story, I hate to say it. And so they don't handle this privately. Imagine this woman who was just caught in the act. 
And they just drag her and throw her at the feet of Jesus, who is getting ready to teach. Imagine this public assembly, and somebody comes in and shouts out your sin, pulls you in, throws you down in the public circle, and just someone shouts, hey, guess what I just saw this person doing? I don't think any of us would enjoy that process very much. Guess what I just saw this person doing? Hey, handle this right here. And so they publicly challenged him to make a decision about her because the law of Moses stated she needed to be stoned to death and killed based on her sin. So what in the world would Jesus do at this point? They were trying to trap him, the Bible says, into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stoops down. I have heard entire messages preached about what he wrote in the dust. Do you know what he wrote in the dust? I'll tell you today. I have no idea. And neither do the people who preach those messages. Because the Bible doesn't say. I think you wrote this. I think you wrote that. You're entitled. I preached a message a few weeks ago. You're entitled to your opinion. Just don't preach it as gospel truth because the Bible doesn't say. He wrote a fish. He wrote I love you. He wrote mercy. He wrote the cross. I don't know and I really don't care. He wrote something in the dust. And what happens is they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up. All right. Whoever has never sinned. Go ahead and cast the first stone. I wonder what the woman, she's just sitting here doing all this. Probably laying there in the dust. And I wonder if she just covered her head. She was dragged there expecting, I am going to die today. She fully expected to die. I wonder when he says, well, whoever's never sinned, go ahead and kill this woman. Throw the first stone. No doubt she's probably weeping, crying, embarrassed. I mean, when she was a little girl, she probably didn't say, one day I want to grow up and be a prostitute. I can't wait till I get publicly called out and thrown in front and shamed by everyone and no one respects me. I can't wait for that. Kind of like there's a lot of people in your circle of life right now, and you know them the way they talk and carry themselves and act the things they participate in. Before we just go, live like that. Just remember, they, didn't, they weren't born that way saying, I can't wait till I live this life. There are, there are situations that have happened in that person's life that I think it's better to err on the side of compassion like Jesus than it is to err on the side of judgment like the Pharisees. <laughs> I just wonder what she felt like as she was probably just weeping, crying. No, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. I'm humiliated. I'm dead. Pharisees, as Jesus is going in the dirt, no doubt they're not going, oh, Rabbi, I have a question right now. They're probably going, what do you say? Isn't she supposed to die? What kind of teacher are you? They're probably shouting. Veins are popping out of their head. That would have been a good message, right, Tessie? And their ears were red, and they're shouting, and they're, ah. 
and everybody's just staring. They're, they're standing around this woman with boulders in their hand. They are ready. They're ready. If they believed they already had a right to kill her, why didn't they already take care of it? They brought her to Jesus because their interest was in tricking Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? Scripture tells us two separate times in verse 6 and in verse 8. Show verses 6 and 8 again. Two separate times, verse 6 and verse 8. Wrote in the dust with his finger, and look at verse 8. Stooped down again and wrote in the dust. John tells us two separate times. I mean, was it really that important? I just, in case you missed it the first time, he was playing in the dirt. Why go out of your way to let me know that two separate times? Dirt is an inconvenience to us. It can be annoying. It doesn't really bring value to our lives, but Jesus stoops down to the one thing that others find annoying, that no one seems to find value in. And he just begins moving his hands and his fingers around in this dirt. I can't help but wonder, what was actually on his mind as he was playing in the dirt? Sometimes when my kids do stuff, I say, what were you thinking? Because I'm curious to know. Jesus, it'd be a little different. I would, what? What were you thinking in that moment? She's bawling, covering her head, thinks she's going to die. Pharisees are screaming, boulders in their hands. And he's just, what was he thinking? Was he going, wow, if they only knew what I could do with dirt. They see no value in this woman. But man, I wonder what I could do with her if she lets me. If they only knew who I was, I wonder if I should just stop right now and just make a human being again right in front of their eyes. I wonder if I could just Watch, wonder what this crowd would say if I literally just <sighs> breathed into this pile. And then all of a sudden another atom came up. Wonder what, what they would do. I could literally make, I could literally make two human beings out of this pile of dirt right now if I wanted to. His accusers had nothing else to say once he answered them. So he stands up from playing in the dirt. And this woman who's laying on the ground, no doubt crying, sobbing, embarrassed, humiliated. I wonder if he nails down or he just grabs her by the hand and pulls her up. And he looks her in the eye, which probably nobody has done in a very long time. And he looks her in the eye. He says, woman, where are where are the people that just had stones in their hands that brought you to this place, that humiliated you, that caught you in the act? He doesn't argue and say it wasn't sin. Don't worry about it. It was sin, just like we all have sin, and it needs to be taken care of. 
He looks her in the eye and he says, where are your accusers? And I'm just wondering if she just had the dirt in her face from laying on the ground. And you know how your face gets wet and then you get dirt on it? That's probably what she looked like. Tears were streaming down her cheeks and the face was covered in that dirt that had just caked on her face. And through her tear-stained eyes, she looks around. She's like, they're gone. They don't, they're not accusing me anymore. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. In other words, don't return to that lifestyle. And the God who actually created us from that dirt tells her to rise up from the dirt and go and sin no more. And folks, I'm already about done. As I bring these three stories together, and there might be more, but I can only think of three times in the Bible where God himself got his hands dirty and played in the dirt. Number one, to create Adam in Genesis. Number two, to bury Moses in Deuteronomy. And number three, to defend a woman caught in adultery in John. Church, God is there with you the moment in the joy of birth. God is with us in the pain of death. And God kneels beside us in the shame of failure. He's the one that says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the ending. I'm the first and I'm the last. And he's everything in between. From the moment that you were born on this earth, no matter what you have gone through as a child, God was with you. He's gotten you to this point where you're watching online or you're sitting here in person and God has walked with you. He will be there at the end in death, but all of the shame of failure and all of the poor choices in between. Your God kneels beside you in the dirt in which he created you. And he says, I am with you. God can handle your dirt. I'm wondering if you would stand to your feet right now. If you think that you are here today and you don't have enough to offer God, you have to look back at the stories of the word and see what he does when he speaks the world into existence and then he grabs a piece of the world, just the dirt. He could have grabbed a tree. That would have been more impressive, you know, like I made that tree a man. I made that that tree, that mountain became a man. Now he's like this vast creation that I made. Watch this. I wonder how he did it. Did he just go? Pfft. Like how much dirt did he get? Like he just vast creation. And he literally goes to the dirt of the ground. He just pulls it together. Whoa. And then Adam got a cold, took NyQuil that night, so he was knocked out. God's like, (coughs) 
What did he do with that? I mean, I look at my wife, and he did a great job. She's going to yell at me for that later. Just a rib. That was a piece of creation. I made a man. That was a piece of the dust of the, and I made, and and then I grabbed a rib, and I'm a piece of a piece of a piece, and I made a woman, and all I need, all I need from you is just a piece. And watch what I can do. He takes things that no one else sees value in. The dirt, a woman in adultery who was supposed to be stoned and not even alive anymore. Why is he willing, why is he willing to lay his prophetic reputation on the line for a, for a lousy harlot? I mean, like, why? Let her, let her get stoned. I mean, what's the deal? Why, why, why put yourself out there for that? He says, because actually, I was with her at her beginning. I made her from a rib and him for the dust of the ground. And I see value in the people I create. I see value when I breathe the breath of life into that person's body. Because guess what? He doesn't do it through dust anymore. But even in the womb after conception, God is the only one who breathes life. And that's why I will never support abortion. Because God is the one who breathes life into that child. He did it for me. He did it for you. And he says, I see value. Even in the woman in adultery, I see a boy born to a slave woman named Moses. I see value there. And yes, even the dust of the ground, he makes something of them. And so no matter where you are today, God sees value in you. And if he could do these miraculous things with mere dust on the ground, what could he do right now? If you made a choice to approach an altar, raise a hand, bow a knee, commit something to Jesus Christ, be baptized in his name, filled with his spirit, and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to minister for you. Use my life. Do something miraculous, I pray. In the name of Jesus, help me, God. What could he do this morning if he could do all that with an adulterous woman and a pile of dust and a man born to a slave woman back in the book of, of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers? What, 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 what could he do? Well, why don't we try and find out right now? I invite you to find a place to pray this morning and begin to respond to God and thank Him for the fact that He saw value in you. He sees value in you. He looks at you and He says, Hey, bring me your situation. Watch what I can do with it. Watch what I can do with your life. 
Jesus, take my life and use it. God, do something great in me, to me and through me, God. Father, in your name, oh Jesus. You thought I was worth saving. Thank you for that, Lord. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. You sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving. You came and changed my life. You thought I was worth You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free So I could be whole So I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you 